This is the last of our reflections on the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. Four weeks ago, the Gospel spoke of a crowd of 5,000 people who experienced the miracle being fed with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. In their excitement, they were ready to make Jesus their king, and they called him their prophet. We also learned that in the face of overwhelming need, God can transform what little we have into an abundance if we put it in his hands. But so often, our limited perception of reality undermines our confidence in God. Three weeks ago, the gospel text showed the crowd's enthusiasm for Jesus declining and their discomfort with him increasing. They called him rabbi when he described himself as the true bread from heaven. Jesus reasserted his claim. I am the bread of life. The I am, the ego emi, meaning that he is God. And the crowd then called him sir. The more he revealed himself, the more they resisted him, revealing the insanity of our fallen nature. We fear mystery. And because we fear it, we want to control it, define it, manage it, dictate to mystery what is and is not possible, which Jesus will never permit. Two weeks ago, the gospel told us that the crowd began to become interiorly hostile. They had engaged in golgusto, murmuring, uttering secret and sullen discontent against Jesus. Convinced that they knew Jesus' origins, that he was the son of Joseph, They rejected his claim that his origin is from heaven and therefore his claim that the bread he will give is his flesh for the life of the world was insane and worthy of contempt. We also saw all those weeks that at no time did Jesus ever use the language of symbol to soothe, to placate, or to pander to the sensitivities of the crowd. He couldn't even if he wanted to, because as the Son of the Father, he is the Word of the Father in human flesh, meaning he is the truth of his Father in human flesh, and he cannot be untrue to his nature that he shares fully with his Father. Like his Father's Word, so too the Son's word makes real whatever he sends it out to accomplish, and it does not return to him empty-handed. As then, so now, Jesus refuses to retract, soften, or in any way compromise the reality of his words to conform to our puny intellects our comfort zones, our sensitivities. 
Our gospel text today leaves out some critical verses. Why, I do not know. The verses 52 through 60. The crowd had asked a question that betrayed the hardness of their hearts. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Despite the miraculous feeding, despite Jesus' revelation and teaching, despite his making it clear that his origin is heavenly and not earthly, the crowd's fallen perception prevailed. Jesus was only a man. And from that, concluded that his claim to be the bread of life, that his flesh is the bread of life, is ridiculous, if not insulting. Jesus again refused to compromise the truth, giving instead a provocative response. He says, Amen. Amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. It is after Jesus said this that our gospel reading begins, and it makes a critical shift. Now, what is the shift? The Apostle John ignored the crowd completely. Why? Shutting themselves off from the truth? They chose to ensnare themselves in their collective interior darkness. There was nothing more that could be done for them. The Apostle John instead focused on the disciples, telling us many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This is hard. Who can accept it? The apostle used the same word to describe the interior state of those disciples that was used for the crowd. Murmuring, uttering secret and sullen discontent. There are many such disciples today. I run across them frequently, be they Catholics, Protestants, or Orthodox. Fallen human nature is more comfortable with the notion that the holy mystery of the Eucharist is only a symbol. That it is impossible for it to be real. That's how I was raised as a Protestant. Some might go so far as to say it's, well, it's a powerful symbol. It's a deeply meaningful symbol. Some might even say, it's a profoundly moving spiritual experience. However they phrase it, however politely, it is all murmuring, uttering secret and sullen discontent. Why? 
because the holy mystery refuses to submit to, be conformed to, defined by, or categorized by our finite fallen minds. And we resent it. And that is why whenever I hear someone say, well, I just don't get anything out of the Eucharist, my response is, well, of course you don't. How can you get anything from the holy mystery if you don't surrender to it, if you're not taking Jesus at his word? The issue is never Jesus. The issue is always us. The gospel tells us, <clears throat> since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, Jesus is saying to, the, to his guys, would you question what your own eyes will someday behold? Remember that they would see him ascend into heaven after his resurrection. But then Jesus said something that some Christians, especially with non-Protestants, like to use to dismiss the Eucharist as mere symbol. Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. Hence, well, then the Eucharist is, can't be flesh, it's just, it, it's not real. But Jesus went on to say, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So what is Jesus saying? When Jesus asked the disciples what they would do when they saw him ascend into heaven, it is his flesh that they will witness return to his father. His flesh, our flesh, the flesh he took on by the work of the Holy Spirit and the consent of the Virgin Mary will return to his true origin, heaven. It is not within the power of human flesh alone to do such a thing. As Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life. Even after the eternal word became flesh, he remained fully united with his Father and the Holy Spirit. It was in our flesh that he suffered, died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Again, the flesh by itself cannot rise from the dead. Human flesh, however, enlivened by the Holy Spirit, who the Father and the Son fully share, well, that is an entirely different matter now, isn't it? Consider all the miracles that Jesus performed. None of them would be possible if Jesus was only a man, only flesh. But human flesh United to the divine nature Jesus has always shared with the Father, enlivened by the Spirit, makes all miracles possible. Consider this. At every Mass, at every divine liturgy, you will notice that the priest will take his hands, raise them over the bread and the wine. And what is he doing? He is invoking the Holy Spirit to come upon the gifts to prepare them to become, through Jesus' words of consecration, his body and blood. By the way, folks, if a priest fails to do that, it's not a valid mass. That's how important this is. 
So when Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the, of the world, his words make real what he sends them out to do. It cannot be otherwise. Or Jesus would be denying his very nature as the Son of God. If Jesus was only a man, mere flesh, then he died a deluded, possibly insane man, and the Eucharist is nothing, not even a symbol. If, however, Jesus is God in human flesh, then his word has all the life-giving power and authority of his Father's word that is neither diminished nor diluted by the passage of time. And that at every Eucharist, we are in the presence of a holy mystery who desires to feed us the bread of life. It is we who are insane to perpetually fall victim to our fallen nature and not take Jesus at his word. The gospel concludes, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Consider that this would have been the perfect time for Jesus to backtrack, backpedal, or in political language, reframe his message. But he didn't. He couldn't. He is the truth of his Father in human flesh, our flesh. He wanted to elevate his disciples above the limitations of their fallen nature, and he desires to do that with you and with me right now in this moment of time. Many of them chose instead for their interior darkness, and many do today. Why is that? There are a number of reasons, and I will share those next weekend. 